You ready? Sure. Yeah! Yeah! Try again. There we go. That's better. Welcome to Mumford and Other Observations. We are T.S. Russell and Elizabeth Bernadette Russell, otherwise known as Elizabeth Bernadette. You should check out her YouTube stuff and her podcast and all that. We'll get into that at the end of the video. But she is my sister. Uh, yes, I have more than one sibling, as it turns out. And uh, so Elizabeth is joining us today since Bridget couldn't make it. We hope to have Bridget back next week for the episode on I Gave You All. But today for uh, White Blank Page, Elizabeth has very graciously uh, accepted the invitation to join us. I'm good enough. <laughs> yeah. It's like in Josh and the Big Wall when Larry's <laughs> not available, so Junior Asparagus fills in for him. That was one of the best narration series, you know, sequences. Yeah. Yeah. So you ready? We're going to use our imagination to travel <laughs> back in time to a white blank. Uh, so there's not really a, like an historic setting for for this particular song. This is one of the more vague songs. It's all um, interior. It's yeah. It's very internal. Anyway, what we're going to do is we're going to start off with the uh, guest host reading the lyrics to the song, as we typically do. Now, when Andrew was on the podcast, he did a highly dramatic version reading it. of it, um, much more dramatic than Bridget usually does. So I you can have, just do what I want. You can just do whatever you want. All right. Yeah. Okay. I don't care how you do it as long as it's not terrible. Also, isn't the setting just a blank page? Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so why don't you read off the lyrics for us? Right. Can you lie next to her and give her your heart, your heart as well as your body? And can you lie next to her and confess your love, your love as well as your folly? And can you kneel before the king and say, I'm clean, I'm clean? But tell me now, where was my fault in loving you with my whole heart? A white blank page in a swelling rage, you did not think when you sent me to the brink desired my attention but denied my affections so tell me now where was my fault in loving you with my whole heart lead me to the truth and i will follow you with my whole mind it's really short lyrics it's very short lyrics that was really intense that was probably more dramatic than andrew's reading of winter winds oh really so oh, i just wrote it like i read well my poems thank you <laughs> I yeah, figured so andrew elizabeth was like, writes poetry by the way check out her book I figured Andrew was like, can you lie next to her and give her your heart? That's what I pictured. Uh, no, okay. no. It's, it's <laughs> a little more serious than that. Okay, that, that's probably good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we'll start a separate YouTube channel for, high, for melodramatic readings of popular song lyrics. This is actually not a bad idea. Yeah, I like this. Anyway, we'll talk about that. Winter's the cruelest month. April. April is the coolest one. Because you were thinking of winter, getting confused with winter winds, and I was, and and anyway. just I just don't all right. So okay, you. let's let us go then, Mumford. you and I. Okay. Okay. So back to Mumford and Sons. So now that we've established what the lyrics are, we'll go into the um, the prose translation or the No Fear Mumford translation of the lyrics. So I'll tell you in plain English what is happening in this poem. The first uh, eight lines or so is the hero's conscience talking to him it's you know him having an internal conversation and it's saying basically this woman that you're with 
Is your heart in it this time, or are you only doing it for physical gratification? Do you really love her, or are you just being a fool again? Have you done anything to stain your soul in the sight of God? And then the hero himself starts to speak, and he's speaking to the woman that he loves, and he says, what have I done wrong? What's wrong with loving you with my whole heart? And then the music shifts, and the woman betrays him somehow. Um, we're not told precisely what that uh, betrayal is like, but basically somehow she rejects his love. And the hero says, it's over now and I'm filled with fury. You didn't realize that you were pushing me towards rage. You didn't want to love me. All you thought about was what, was what you could get out of it. Still, what have I done wrong? What was wrong with loving you with my whole heart? No more lies. Tell me the truth, and I will give my whole life to you as well as my whole heart. So lots going on there. We'll get into more of that as we go through line by line. But that's mm -hmm. the uh, overall what it's saying. One thing that struck me is just that like I always thought that the dialogue was between a man and a woman. And I, so like clarifying that it's actually, like I always knew there were two speakers, right? But I could never figure out who the two speakers were. Mm -hmm. So knowing that it's his conscience and I could, and then knowing that it's just him the rest of the time was very helpful. Cause I always thought it switched back to being somebody else. Right. Yeah. And I always, when I'm analyzing the lyrics, I always play around and give like a couple different ideas of like who's speaking at which times mm -hmm. and then decide on what I think is the most likely. Yeah, no, it, that made so much sense for me when I read, like, when I read your notes on that, I was like, oh, that makes sense. And listening to the song again made a lot more sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, what's really been gratifying to me is listening to these songs again after going through them so carefully mm -hmm. and realizing just how, just how much it does illuminate what's happening in the song. Yeah, so I think, sure. I think we're on the right track, <laughs> more or less, with, with these uh with our analysis of these songs. So that's that's good because that's kind of the point. So I find that encouraging personally. Okay, now we're gonna talk about our sources for the episode. So there weren't any like particular books that I think Mumford and Sons was referencing, but other than blank books that don't have anything written in them. Exactly. So oh, maybe that's why there are no like direct mm -hmm. quotations, because it's all it's a white blank page. But um, I found some themes in this song that I've encountered in other places. So the theme of betrayal, for instance, is um, extremely common in a lot of Shakespeare's plays. So two of the ones that came to mind for me was Much Ado About Nothing, which we talked about in the first episode of the podcast. Because um, in that play, Claudio believes that Hero has betrayed him and been unfaithful to him the night before their wedding. Then the other one was King Lear, which mm. that plays all about betrayal, right? Mm -hmm. Because he thinks at the beginning of the play, he thinks that his youngest daughter has betrayed him and doesn't love him. But then as the course of the play unfolds, he realizes that his two older daughters are the ones who betrayed him. Yeah. I'm surprised there's he didn't just, go... there's just backstabbing left and right in that play. I'm surprised you didn't bring Othello into it. Oh, Othello. <sighs> <laughs> wow that actually that's a really good point okay that might be the best example of that whole like white blank page swelling rage mm -hmm. especially with the word white in there because there's such a contrast in othello between othello who is a moor and therefore dark-skinned mm -hmm. and his wife desdemona who is a white, white woman 
something because like with King Lear, he when and does Desdemona. I forget what Desdemona means, but I think it means something along the lines of white. Um, and it might even mean like white paper, which if it does, then that would be like a direct, an, an almost direct illusion. Yeah. But maybe I'm just making that up. I'll have I to look know. that up. Something that like with, with King Lear, he gets very petty over like the past, over what's his daughter's name? Cordelia. Cordelia, like her betrayal of him because, you know, look at how like, this life up till now, you've always been the nicest one to me, you know, all this stuff. Whereas with Othello, when he thinks that Desdemona has betrayed him, it's like nothing, nothing from the past means anything. Right. He just, he just assumes it's all completely blank. Mm -hmm. This past that they've, that they've had and that there's just, there's no life to anything that they've had together. So he considers the past to be a white blank page that doesn't mean anything? Like, yeah, their whole story. Mm-hmm. I think we just unlocked the secret of the song, and that secret is Othello. So I'm just going to throw all these notes that I wrote no. out the window. <laughs> They're also really good. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep talking about these things. Uh, the Othello thing doesn't really contradict anything that that we came up with to talk about today. So that's that's good. But, um, but that's really interesting. That's it. Yeah. Well, thank you for bringing up that point. I'll have to think more about that. So the other source that I wanted to talk about is something that shares a lot of themes with this song is the theology of the body by St. Pope John Paul II. Quite a name. Yes. <laughs> we just call him JP2 usually because it's shorter. You could even tack on the great at the end there. It's yeah. St. Pope John Paul Saint II. St. Pope John the Paul great. II. The, the great. great. I don't, <laughs> it's clunky. I don't think anybody says that. <laughs> So we've teased this source a couple different times in this podcast. It's come up in, I think it came up last episode in Roll Away Your Stone, or or was it Winter Winds? I can't remember. But it also definitely came up in um, Sign No More, the, the episode on Sign No More. So I figured we would formally introduce it here in this episode and use it as, as a more formal source to talk about. There's a particular theme in this song and in... Theology of the body, and that theme is the language of the body, which is not to be confused with body language. It's something else. But we'll get we'll get to the language of the body later. But for now, I just want to introduce theology of the body itself. So basically, with the theology of the body, John Paul II was trying to answer the same question that Mumford and Sons is trying to answer with their songs, which is, what was man made for? That's a theme that we've been examining pretty closely in this album so far. And because they both rely so much on scripture and on keen observations of human nature and behavior, they end up discussing a lot of the same ideas. So I yeah. think that's why we're seeing so many parallels between them. What is Theology of the Body, then? It's a series of 133 talks delivered by St. Pope John Paul II, the Great, during his Wednesday audiences from 1979 to 1984, so four to five years. The work itself seeks to answer the age-old questions of the relationships between spirit and body, God and man, man and woman. What does it mean for man to be a creature of both body and soul? Why did God create him that way, and how does that affect love and marriage? It's far more than just a reiteration of the Catholic Church's teachings on marriage and sexuality, his work really gets at the core of what it means to be human, and it takes our understanding of the sexual nature of the human body to a whole new level. Mm. So it's a really cool thing. I 
we each studied it for a, a whole semester in college and it was oh man I think I've said this before but I got more headaches during that class than any other class <laughs> that I took because I, I got more excited in it <laughs> I, I mean I think you know we had those reactions for the same reason because it's just it's so intense it's mind-blowing his writing style is very difficult to follow though and that's what gave me the headaches but it's also it's just so beautiful it is yeah it's it just gives a whole it's overwhelming it's cool because it gives a whole new light to almost anything that you were to look at in life. Yeah, that's true. So if you haven't read Theology of the Body, highly recommend it. It very much elevates the dignity of the human person. Yeah. Yes, he's very much about personhood. Javal II is the coolest. I do have a video of me reading the first page of the Theology of the Body, so you can check that out. A little banner in the video. There will be a little <laughs> banner that you can click on. So... Let's jump into the line-by-line -line analysis of White Blank Page by Mumford and Sons. White. Why are you white. saying it like that? <laughs> Why are you saying it that way? Saying what? What way? <laughs> <laughs> we already referenced that in the uh, Winter Winds episode <laughs> with Andrew. <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> this is his favorite movie. Yep, it is. Okay, so the first line of white blank page is can you lie next to her there's an interesting juxtaposition that's introduced here in the very first line and that's a juxtaposition between lies and the truth mm -hmm. um the very one of the very last lines mentions truth and the word lie comes up in this very first line mm -hmm. so it's definitely i think it's there's a, a journey that's taken place there from falsehood to reality mm -hmm. which that's something that we've seen a couple of different times already in this album, like in the cave when we talked about the cave and images versus reality. But then obviously also there's the the more literal meaning of the word lie, which is to to lie with a person. So that's going on here as well. So can you lie next to her and give her your heart, your heart as well as your body? So we have heart contrasted with body here. And this is hearkening back to the Winter Winds song, where we saw an example of a relationship that he was physically involved in the relationship, but his heart wasn't in it. And so I think they're, they're continuing to hearken on that theme. So he's asking himself in these opening lines of this song, is this the same as it was in Winter Winds? Or, or is it different this time? Am I giving my heart instead of my body? Mm. He starts to ask that question at the beginning of Winter Winds as well, but for every kiss, your beauty trumped my doubt, right? So he kept distracting himself and not, not letting himself continue to look at his doubt. But then in this song, he does continue to examine that. And he goes on to, to ask, And can you lie next to her and confess your love, your love as well as your folly? So now instead of heart contrasted with body, we have love contrasted with folly. And so this... The word folly is, we've already seen a couple different words like that come up in uh, on this album. So we, we learned in Sigh No More that man is a giddy thing, and that giddy can mean both both happy, but, or like changeable and fickle, mm -hmm. right? So here, folly is a, a negative, it's being used in a negative way, but then uh, in the cave, we were introduced to the idea of being a fool by walking on your hands. 
and that actually that was a positive positive folly right mm -hmm. because it helps you to see the world more clearly so this year this is negative folly and it i think it ties in more with the um the expression that will come across later on in awake my soul where he says how fickle my heart mm -hmm. and how woozy my eyes so these these words folly giddy fickle these are all and plus the image of walking on your hands those are all tied together yeah for sure so in these first six lines we've got heart contrasted with body and love contrasted with folly so heart and love are paired together and body and folly are paired together mm. by extension okay so this is where theology of the body comes in with its notion of the language of the body like i said it's not to be confused with the common expression body language it's something else here's a definition from theology of the body the language of the body is the meaning of the body inscribed in it by the creator there's that maker again and freely expressed by man and woman on the level of a freely given word in the conjugal act the person speaks an effective word of love and total gift through the body so that was a complex definition let's unpack that a little bit basically what it's saying is that through the conjugal act the conjugal union the man and the woman are speaking a word of love to each other through their bodies word made flesh yeah yeah basically yeah that's that's tied into that as well so this is a little bit tricky to try to tie it back to it i feel you know i can i can tell that this is all connected here but it's hard to exactly put it into words because mumford's not directly quoting it or maybe even consciously re referencing it so much as he's i think they're talking the about the theme. same idea right yeah the idea that with heart and love paired together in opposition to body and folly mm -hmm. right when heart and love when the heart and love are involved then you're okay but if you don't have those things then you just have the folly of the body not to be confused with the theology of the body the folly of the body which is kind of a fun thing to say so the thing with the language of the body then is that it's also possible to distort that language here's a passage from from theology of the body where he talks about it he says quote if the human being male and female in marriage gives to his behavior a meaning in conformity with the fundamental truth of the language then he too is in the truth in the opposite case he commits lies and falsifies the language of the body end quote basically what he's saying is if you're if you engage in the conjugal act in the marital act without the involvement of the heart and love then you're not speaking the truth with the language of the body you're using the language of the body to tell a lie and which ties in back with that that word lie that we saw at the beginning of the song so he's wondering if this act of lying with this woman is, a lie. is an act of lying to this woman now isn't there something that he's getting at that has to do with like you said if there's not the heart there's not love then it's just the folly of the body but isn't there something where like if he also just removed his body then he would remove that relationship to her 
and then to have love and, and heart would just be desolation as well. Be like right. hopeless longing. I think so. I think Mumford interprets the term heart not to be something strictly spiritual because the heart or has emotional. Right. The heart has traditionally been understood to be the place where body and soul and mind all meet together. Okay. And I think with uh, the way that it's used in Winter Winds, I think it indicates that the way Mumford understands the heart is that it does, it's part of the part of the fleshly reality and the spiritual reality where those two meet. Okay. I'm not sure, I'm not sure where, where were you, what, what was your question again? I was just asking if the body, if he was drawing the body into the equation of love in the song. Yes. So it's, it just seems give like... give her your heart as well as your body. Right, because the So I think it's just you... it's a given that the body is involved. Yes. Can you lie next to her and give her your love? It's like give her your heart or your love. Your heart. Your heart. So there's that we already have an image of this very intimate moment, right? That necessitates the body. So like like I said, it's mm -hmm. a given before we and then it's okay so that's a given but there has to be more to it than just what was there in the right terms. right and in the traditional catholic understanding part of that something more would be marriage mm -hmm. and so i think it's implied in the song that this is outside the context of marriage okay um or at least at least if we're looking at this album as a story i don't think we're in marriage, marriage yet. yet okay um, I think you're right. So, which which would be could be part of the reason why why spoiler alert this relationship goes downhill. But most people who are a little more secular minded don't don't see a problem with um, sexual relations outside of marriage, except you know, except in the context as, of as long as where right as long as love is involved. Yeah. Right. That, that they they think that it's that it's okay. So I'm not entirely sure, you know. I don't know if I don't think Mumford is like making a statement in the song about whether or not sexual relations outside of marriage is okay. What's happening here is he's using this this concept of the language of the body to examine whether or not the truth is being told mm -hmm. in this relationship. Right. Yeah. In all ways. Mm-hmm. On all on all the levels. Yeah. Emotionally. Right? Um, Which, with love, bodily. Right. And that's because that's true love. That's mm -hmm. the goal, right? That free, total, faithful, fruitful gift of self. And this character is more in tune with what the goal is at this point yes. than he had been before. Yes, because he went through that transformative soul-searching journey in Not Awake My Soul, um, Roll Away Your Stone. He went through Dante's Divine Comedy, basically. He's now looked at himself as he is. Right. He's so he's bringing so much more understanding and so much more commitment to this relationship than he did to the one in Winter Winds, mm -hmm. which is why it's then so heartbreaking to him when he gets betrayed later on in the song, which we'll get to that fairly soon here. One more while we're on the subject of the language of the body, the first indication of that theme that I found in Mumford and Sons was in a, a different song actually on a different album. So the song is Broken Crown, it's on the Babel album, and that line is, when I open my body, I breathe a lie. That's also very much about a, uh, a bad relationship, that song, a relationship that he should not have been in, that serious mistakes were made, 
by just entering into that relationship. And so I think what he's saying there is basically that when he engages in that act with that woman, he's telling a lie. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, just the, the line, I'm clean, I'm clean, that, that like dual yelling it out always makes me think of unclean, unclean. Mm. When lepers would walk through the streets and cry, and cry that out. Right. So it, it always makes me think, like, is he a leper appearing before the king, I'm clean? Or is he, can he honestly say, I'm clean? Right. And that's what he's trying to ask himself. Yeah. Yeah. That brings us to the next lines, which are, and, and can you kneel before the king and say, I'm clean, I'm clean? I was thinking we already talked to him that one. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> yep. No, we are right there now. So. I think it's fairly obvious that the king in this case is God. I don't think there are any other viable candidates mm -hmm. for for that position. So God, the maker, the designer, aligner, etc. So there, there's that theme again. That theme's not going away <laughs> from this album. <laughs> so if you haven't figured that out yet, just, just accept it. That theme is here to stay throughout the course of this album. This language here seems to be hearkening back to Winter Winds when he talked about the shame that sent him off from the God that he once loved, right? Mm -hmm. So that shame, that was probably shame of being unclean, right? That, as he says in Sign No More, my heart was never pure. Mm -hmm. all, all of that is, is included in this, this line here. Also, this image of kneeling will come up a couple other times on the album in Thistle and Weeds and After the Storm, so we'll talk about that. What's interesting is that he's definitely putting that in a future context, that someday I will kneel before the king, right? Mm -hmm. Can you kneel before the king and say, I'm clean, I'm clean? It's, it's a hypothetical scenario. He's not actually kneeling in front of the king saying it. Right. So he's thinking about his eternal salvation mm -hmm. thing. His final judgment, yeah. Mm -hmm. We have lots of doubting here at the beginning of the song, mm -hmm. but it's a good kind of doubt because he's willing to confront it instead of just pushing it away. He's doubting so much, I think, because he can sense that there is something wrong with this relationship, but he doesn't, he hasn't figured out what it is yet. He thinks it's a problem with him. So he's examining his conscience to see whether he's, whether he can kneel before the king and say he's clean. This time it looks like he might be in the clear, right? And in, in Winter Winds, it was fear of the cold. It was shame that sent him into that woman's arms. But this time, I think it, I think it's safe to say that it was because of love. I think he really did love her in this song. Or at least didn't abuse her. Yeah. He, he did seek for that love in his heart. Right. Instead of yeah. just engaging in the relationship without his heart being in it. Yeah. So it just, it goes to show how much of a change has taken place in him mm. in, in the intervening song in Roll Away Your Stone. After Winter Winds, the, the change he went through in Roll Away Your Stone is really carrying over into this relationship. And then he says, and this is a, the first chorus here, but tell me now, where was my fault in loving you with my whole heart? So that image of faults, of failings, of fears, etc., that's all that's come up in every song so far that we've talked about. He thought that he had finally escaped those faults by giving his whole heart to somebody, right? He thought that if only he made the choice to give his heart to someone, then everything would be okay. But, it only works that way. Right? <laughs> but I think... I think what happened in this song is that he gave it, he gave his heart to the wrong person. And so the question becomes, has love itself become his fault? 
because he gave that love undiscerningly. And then this first chorus, it's repeated, repeated once, and then immediately after that, it's followed by a very harsh shift in the music. I keep yawning, by the way. I'm not bored. I don't know why I'm yawning. I apologize. I think I'm very cozy with the fire. You know, I didn't even notice. So, <laughs> in case the in case you guys notice, the I'm... listeners didn't notice. They couldn't. They couldn't see you. It's That's only true. the people watching people on watching YouTube. The video, yes. Yeah. So the second half of this song is musically, it's harsher and scarier than anything we've seen so far in this album. Even though darkness dominated the things that he saw in Roll Away Your Stone, the music itself didn't get very frightening. But this time, it's like it's very, very intense. The um, horror there is like it's like ripping from your like soul yeah i think it's the first real good har 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 we get from mumford and sons which i know we aren't out there yet technically but i was listening on amazon music and actually following along with the lyrics and they say that it's heart 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 i was like oh that would make sense like i always just thought it was kind of like a nonsense word to like let out the emotion but I think it's heart without them like really emphasizing the T at the end. Hmm, maybe. Yeah. So that's what Amazon Music says. Yeah, I mean those those <laughs> lyrics are sometimes yeah they, they can be off. They certainly they they credit it to some like organization, not to Mumford himself. So I don't know where they got the lyrics or if they're accurate. But yeah, Metro lyrics, Metro it lyrics. Wasn't Metro? Uh, something else. <laughs> oh, was it? No. I don't know. Oh, what it was. maybe it's. Oh, I forget what it's called, but yeah, they and I have had some. Uh, some dealings in the past. <laughs> I'm a little skeptical of some of their some of their work, but that that is interesting, because does that is heart the last line before the har har har? I don't remember. That well, I'll have to look into that. Yeah. And see. Well, what's it's 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 at the end of the the chorus, right? Or is it the end of the second verse? I don't know. I, I think it, it comes in a couple times. It does, but it's both towards the end. Okay. Yeah. I'm not sure. Like I said before, this this harsh shift in the music is to indicate the betrayal that our hero experiences at the hands of his beloved. Mm-hmm. We're not entirely sure what that betrayal is. Um, I don't think it really matters, like, concretely, you know, if she cheated on him or just re- flat out rejected him or or whatever but he just walked out yeah. yeah basically you know it's it's over there there's not a lot of hope there so he takes it very hard takes it very personally because he was on the path to becoming good a good person and now all of a sudden people are treating him the way that he used to treat other people and so it's it's a very difficult thing to experience he's become vulnerable Right. So then he goes on to say that he says a white blank page and a swelling rage. And that expression, white blank page, um, other than possibly having allusions to Othello, oh, maybe even to the white handkerchief in Othello. There might even be a piece of paper involved in that play. Okay, I got to read Othello again and do like a little follow-up video to this, maybe. Anyway... That expression, white blank page, I think it, I, I think as it applies to this song, it's that the relationship has come to an end. Kind of like you were saying with, with Othello, that the past doesn't, it has no meaning anymore. Yeah. It's all just nonsense. It's almost like it never happened. 
it's how you feel when you've given your heart to somebody and then they say they've never loved you. Right. Like, well, what was the point of me loving you? Like, you can't really love somebody reciprocally if they're not returning it. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And love has to be reciprocal. Mm-hmm. So it's basically... At least romantic love does. Yeah. It's basically their story has been unwritten. Yeah. And... Which makes me think of Taylor Swift's um, Our Story, I think. Our song? No. Love Story? I think that might be it. No. With the Romeo and Juliet? No, no, it's the one with the... All I can picture is the video, but she's... They're inside the library. Once Upon a Time. Oh, shoot. I, I don't know Taylor Swift nearly as well as you do. <laughs> I think it's her second album. Oh, I'll have to show you later. Is that Fearless? Is that the second album? Oh, I don't know. Oh, okay. Yes, Fearless is the second album, but it might actually be Red. Oh, okay. That's why I said I didn't know. Sorry. <laughs> All right. So possible Taylor Swift illusions aside. <laughs> Nothing it's illusions. It's just connected in my head. <laughs> yes. Illusions on your part. Illusions about... Anyway, anyway, I'm not making any sense anymore. Next lines. You did not think when you sent me to the brink. So he is accusing her of not paying attention while sending him to the brink or driving him towards a breaking point, towards that swelling rage that he, that he mentioned in the previous line. And there's a little bit of a, of a threat implied in these words, right? Basically saying you should have thought about that. And now, now you're going to regret it that you didn't think when you sent me to the brink. He keeps on ranting. He says, you desired my attention, but denied my affection. He accuses her of only being in it for the pleasure and not for love. He was willing to love her, but she wouldn't receive it. And uh, there's all sorts of talk in theology of the body about love as receptivity with the man-woman relations, the man initiates the love and the woman receives it. Mm -hmm. And so there's definitely, there's a distortion of the theology of the body happening in this song, right? Mm -hmm. That she's not receiving his love, that she's lying with the language of, lying through the language of the body. And then the chorus comes back again. He says, so tell me now, where was my fault in loving you with my whole heart? So he still struggles to understand where he went wrong. He thought that he was doing right by her in giving her his heart. And then it changes a little bit in the last two lines. He says, lead me to the truth and I will follow you with my whole life. Oh, that, that is where heart comes in. So you're right. It is whole heart comes right before heart, 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 heart. Okay. Interesting. He's actually giving her another chance at the end of this song, despite mm -hmm. the swelling rage and the white blank page and being sent to the brink and denying his affections. He decides to give her another chance. And he says, if she'll stop leading him on just to get something out of him and actually lead him to that truth, which will refresh his broken mind, like in the cave, then he'll give her his whole life. The term life is synonymous with both love and heart. Um, in Mumford and Sons, uh, best I can tell from the way that those words are used interchangeably throughout this album. Life and heart? Life and love and heart. Mm. Where you invest your love, you invest your life, etc. Yeah, yeah. So you had said earlier that it was a hopeless separation. There was no hope for this relationship. Right, but there is hope at the end. Okay. He's given her a second chance. 
I don't know if she takes him up on that or not. In like in the chronology of the album itself, I think it's fairly clear that she doesn't take him up on it because the next few songs are also pretty dismal. I think that makes the most sense. I mean, his his willingness to learn does not equate her willingness to teach. Exactly. But it's a necessary step, and he might not be saying it to her directly. She might have left. Mm-hmm. And but he says to sort of the universe in general, "Show me the truth." Right. Somebody come along. Show me the truth of how I can love, and I'll do it. Mm-hmm. If somebody, yeah, if somebody, if, if anybody can lead me to the truth, I will follow that person with my whole life. Truth, what is truth? What is truth, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and then what does Christ say? I am the way, right? Mm-hmm. Leading the way, the truth, and the life. Leading to the truth. And I'll follow you with my whole life. So right. way, truth, and life. Okay. So it's... He's led the this way is bibli- the This is biblical imagery coming up again here. Yeah. God is the one who leads us to the truth. Yeah. God is the one who is the truth. Right. Like we just said, the way, the truth, and the life. Which I think further emphasizes that he could just be kind of shouting it out to nobody. Yeah. You know. Because it is God who teaches us how to love anyway. Right. So yeah, it's a it's a prayer right there. Yeah. Those words, so tell me now, where was my fault in loving you with my whole heart? So many times in life we apply we can apply that. We can speak those words to God mm-hmm. because there are so many times where we feel betrayed by God. We yeah. feel like we gave him everything and got nothing out of it. Right? Yeah. But what's interesting is, at least in my experience, if you do that, if you give him everything and you feel betrayed, it's usually because you didn't give him things that mattered. Right. Right? You sort of gave him things that mattered to you. Yeah. And, you and sort he of... was like, great. I'm glad you're giving those things up. And that's not really how you saw it. So then you feel betrayed. Yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, anytime that we feel like God has wronged us, it's really us who have, who have wronged God. Yeah, because, you know, Cain does Or it's that. like God is testing us. Yeah, that's how Cain felt when right. God, you know, honored Abel's um, offering, but not Cain's. And Cain was like, well, why didn't you accept it? And we don't know exactly, but we can infer that he didn't take the best fruits or he did, his heart wasn't in it or whatever it was. God does not require, does not desire sacrifice. He desires love. Right. Yes, that's true. I think it's interesting you brought Cain and Abel into it because we're going to talk pretty soon about East of Eden, mm-hmm. which is John Steinbeck's modern retelling of the Cain and Abel story. Okay. So just wanted to tease that for you all because I... Which song? I can't wait. Tim Shell. Okay. If you would read the book, you would know why. <laughs> well, I figured it was Tim Shell, but I figured it would also give you a chance to plug it so that, you know, people are watching this weeks from now, they can be like, oh, I wonder if Tim Shell's out yet. And click mm-hmm. on it. This, <laughs> he's, I'm so, cannot tell you how excited I am to talk about East of Eden because it is one of my favorite books of all time. It's like Lord of the Rings, Brides Have Revisited, The Little Prince, Severe Mercy, and East of Eden. If I had to choose five books to be stuck, to on, be a desert stuck on a desert island with, I would choose that. And the person I would want to be stuck on that island with would be Marcus Mumford. And then he and I could read those books. <laughs> that would books. be me! <laughs> <laughs> I mean... <laughs> it's okay. You can, you can be with I mean, You're choosing a famous person. Look, if you is... want to choose Taylor Swift over me, that's fine. <laughs> uh, no. I don't think I would. I no. Who would who would you choose to live <laughs> See, on a desert island with for the rest of your life? Um, 
See, if he was, this it can't be somebody you're romantically really interested like, in. Exupere, probably. Like, He's dead. It has to be somebody alive. Oh, wait, said I said Marcus Mumford. You said Mumford. You have to choose somebody There's alive. Choose somebody alive? Yeah. Well, then it'd, it'd be you or one of my other really close friends. I don't know. Like, I don't think Shocks I'd go with face. a famous person. Okay, no, you have to choose a famous person. That's how this game <laughs> works. You can't just choose some guy like no. me. Um, I really like Matthew McConaughey. Um, All right. I can see that. But uh, yeah, like I feel like we'd have interesting conversations, but I think I'd end up liking him too much. Mm. So you said I couldn't be somebody I liked romantically. Right. So I try to have to, to choose a, a woman. A female character. I guess Kristen Stewart. Like she's pretty great. Kristen Stewart? No. Who's that? Who's... Kristen Bell. Kristen Bell. Kristen Stewart's the girl from The Twilight. Yeah, no. Kristen no. Bell. <laughs> okay, Kristen Bell. Okay. Yeah. I, I can yeah, see that. Yeah, a good place. I like her. There you go. Yeah, she's great. And Frozen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's a lot better in The Good Place. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh... That was a really long detour. That was a long detour. <laughs> but now we finally know who Elizabeth would prefer to spend a desert her, the rest of her life on a desert island with. If it couldn't be somebody <laughs> that she knows, it has to be a famous person. Yeah, because I just think and she'd, it can't like, be, And it has to be a woman. She'd be willing to, like, engage in, you know, surviving together. And I feel like she'd keep the mood light, you know, but also be like open, you know, in her, you know, we'd have good heart to hearts, but we'd also have like, she, I think she'd read books in a way that was interesting, but also she could really like riff on them. And that would be pretty funny. I feel like Mumford and I would have a lot of horror to heart. To har, har, har. <laughs> hardy, 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 hardy. <laughs> okay. Let's, um, okay. So now just want to give a little preview I think this song leads really well into the next song, which is I Gave You All, because this song itself is about having given how he gave his all to this woman. And she ripped it from his hands and swore it was all gone. Ugh. That sort of thing. It's a good song. Yeah. It really picks up the beat. It's, oh man. That's like, <laughs> we're getting to the scary part of the album. So I apologize for that. My favorite part. It's, it's getting... It's going to get dark from here. Um, the most cathartic parts. Because he's really feeling. Yes, he's very much feeling. Feeling a lot. A lot of feels going on. We're just talking about our feelings. Well, speaking of talking about stuff, now it's time to talk about what we've learned today. And so what we have learned. I don't want to get like taken off YouTube because of riffing things. So I'm afraid to sing <laughs> If you anymore, sing it but... yourself, it's fine. <laughs> They they won't they'll only detect you if it's an actual sound clip. It's owned know, by somebody but, else. Yeah, I think there's like you know there's fuzzy areas there, but you know you try. And you so do what, you can. what we have learned applies to our <laughs> lives today. God has a lot to say in His book. In his book. His holy and so we know that God's word is for everyone. Now that our song is done, we'll take a look, and but we're not gonna read a verse from scripture. <laughs> That's not what we do in this part of okay. the Mumford and Sons podcast. Okay. What we do is we look at this, sort of see, check in on where we're at in the album in terms of what we've learned so far about human nature and where are we going from here. So we learned in Sign No More that man is a giddy thing and that love will make him more like the man he was made to be. Mm -hmm. 
in the cave, we saw him setting out on the journey and experiencing suffering and growing through that suffering to find the truth that will refresh his broken mind and to find the freedom that he needs to live his life as it was meant to be. And then in Winter Winds, we saw an example of a bad relationship that resulted because he was running away or he, he, was, he became apathetic and he would not confront the fears and the faults of his heart that he needed to confront. And then Roll Away Your Stone, we saw him actually confront those that darkness inside of his heart. And we discovered that man has a hole within the fragile substance of his soul and that he tries to fill that void with things unreal. Okay. And, but when he confronts it and goes through that purgative process of like the descent into hell and the ascent of Mount Purgatory, it leads to the stars. And then we discovered in this song that love has to be mutual. It can't just be one-sided or it's going to end in betrayal. And we learned that it's possible to lie through the language of the body. And I guess this is kind of the same as the first point, but it's a mistake to give your heart to somebody who doesn't return your affections, who won't lead you to the truth. You have to find that person who's going to lead you to the truth. That's who you need to follow with your whole life. And so on a spiritual level, that's God, right? Mm -hmm. But also on a, uh, on a more human level, that's your, your soulmate. Yeah. Somebody that I was in a seminar with yes, last night was saying that when it comes down to friendship, I forget who he was reading. It was somebody like C.S. Lewis. It wasn't C.S. Lewis, but it was somebody like C.S. Lewis who reminded him of this. Um, I think it was an ancient Greek philosopher who was talking about the fact that like in, in friendship, you have these relationships that are based on equal virtue. The mm -hmm. best friendships come from the ones where you're united with somebody. He was, well, he said it reminded of Aristotle, but it wasn't Aristotle. Oh, okay. It was somebody else. Probably drawing from Aristotle mm -hmm. in their writing. Um, it was somebody I recognized, but I can't remember who it was. Just that, like, that virtue is, makes for the best, equal virtue makes for the best friendships. That the person you're with helps you in that path of virtue because they themselves are watching, walking it as well. So, so that would be knows, the person you're going to marry. Yeah. Who knows if he's going to find that person on this album or not. We'll, we'll have to see. So, well, this has been a fantastic conversation about quite blank page. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for um, Yeah. So where talk for a minute about the stuff that you do and how people can find you. Can't talk in command, Hardison. Um, is that a leverage reference? Yes. <laughs> they, okay, so I am on elizabethbrandett.com. I do career coaching, creative career coaching for those who want to build a lucrative career. And I, I have my own podcast, Womanhood Redeemed, where we talk about what does it mean to be a woman and to live that out on a practical day-to-day -day basis with authentic femininity. And I do that with Ina Castillo, my good friend, who is also a woman's coach. And she coaches women through um, through divorce and annulment and those types of things, um, and broken families. And how can you how can you go from being a broken family to a whole one? What am I missing? I'm a written, writer. Written some books, right? Yeah, I have two. One or two. two. One or two. I have two fantasy novels and a poetry book. The poetry book is the most recent. I published that in December of 2020, and uh, Trinian in uh, 2018, and Half Breeze in 2016. Half Breeds is the best one. Go read Half Breeds. It's pretty good. I like I like that one. 
I like all of them, but I like that one the most. Yeah, for a good reason. It's a very good book. I don't feel like I wrote it. I did. And people can find all of that on your yep. website? On, a, on my website, lizabethbernadette.com or Amazon. Um, my website's easier because the book, they get buried. Just go to elizabethbernadette.com. It will tell you everything you need to know about Elizabeth Bernadette. True. And well, this uh, podcast is a production of The Flight House, so go check us out at buymeacoffee.com slash The Flight House. Sponsor and support us. Sponsor and support us so that we can keep making crazy Mumford & Sons videos where we talk about theology of the body and Shakespeare, <laughs> because that's what we like to do, and uh, hope that, that you like watching us do that. So anyway, until next time, we are T.S. Russell and Elizabeth Bernadette reminding you to sign no more. Okay, so we just looked it up, and Desdemona means misery or unlucky, which is tied in with her miserable and unlucky fate that she experiences. Because spoiler alert, it's a Shakespearean tragedy, so she dies. <laughs> Ill star is the one that I came across. Ill well, star, which I think is like direct translation of Desdemona or Desdemona. Desdemona. Okay. I think Mona is star. But that said, she is white. She is a white chick, <laughs> <laughs> and so the uh, the contrast between white and and dark is is a thing. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, and then Taylor Swift, the song that I was thinking of is "Story of Us." Yeah, so in the story of us, she says, I used to think one day we'd tell the story of us, how we met, and the sparks flew instantly. Oh, I'm scared to see the ending. Why are we pretending this is nothing? I tell you I miss you, but I don't know how. I never heard silence quite this loud. And the song ends um, being the same thing. It's, it's a tragedy. It ends. But it's this whole thing of, like, I expected the story to have to go one way. But then it just now is a tragedy. Right. So it doesn't necessarily unwrite the story that came before, but it does change the trajectory in a, a, a way that you know, Mumford didn't see coming. He might mm -hmm. and, yeah. 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 And the more I think about it, the more I'm almost certain that in Othello there is, that there's a blank piece of paper that's used. It's like something that Iago uses as a, as a trick to try to <laughs> trick somebody that like love letters are being exchanged or something like that. Oh, yeah, I think you're right. And I don't think it's blank because I think you're getting mixed up between the white handkerchief. The white handkerchief. And there is a, there is some kind of insinuation of a love letter or okay. exchange, things being exchanged. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's a white handkerchief for sure. So yeah, a lot of the emotions that he's experiencing in this song could be applied to Othello also. Yeah, for sure. It's the same same emotions Othello experience. Othello takes that rage to a whole new level. He doesn't whole go. Level. <laughs> he doesn't say, "Show me how to show me Lead the truth." Lead me to the truth. Yeah, right. he doesn't say that. He Whoopsie. stops the rage. <laughs> Whoopsie. <laughs> yeah.